All right. Feels like uh, it's been a while. We were snowed out last week. All right, well, I'm going to uh, basically just give an introduction to the Psalms and the Proverbs. Not really a formal introduction, but an introduction to our time in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Uh, so for the next 30 days, starting tomorrow, what is it, is tomorrow the 28th? Starting tomorrow, we're going to read through the whole book of Psalms and a chapter of Proverbs per day. And that works out to, um, I would say, <laughs> I was talking with Emily in the car on the way over. I said, that's like 10 or 15 minutes a day. Seemed about, And she was like, no, I can't read through the Psalms that fast. It, it, I have to go through them really slow. So however long it takes you, um, I'm not going to put a time, time estimate on it. I know people read differently. Um, but we are doing this as a prelude to our trip back through the whole Bible. And we're going <laughs> to rewind and, and start back in Genesis. It'll probably be a little bit longer. We'll probably take a little longer this time. We will just sort of slowly make our way through, maybe over the course of five years. when um, we're going to be going back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament some. And we are also going to have gaps in there for us to just do whatever we need to do, um, not associated with the reading. But the goal is for over the next, uh, let's say, three to five years, uh, go back through all the scripture. And um, the reason we're doing this is because we felt pretty strongly coming out of the fast that a, a big word of God to us as a, as a community of churches in this area is to learn to, uh, to go deeper in what it means to abide in him. Um, and a big part of that has to do with having his word inside of us. So I just want to read a scripture that actually a lot of people shared during the time of the fast. And just refresh us on that, because we, we want to, you know, when God clearly speaks, we have to cling to that. You know, we really want to hold on to that and talk about remembrance. We want to continually bring ourselves back to that. So John 15. <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to, be, to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to keep reading a few more verses here. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. And abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So the idea there is that there is this way of relating to God in which we are abiding in him. We are remaining in him. And not only that, but he is abiding in us. And specifically it talks about his words and his commandments abiding in us. 
And so the reason we want to go back through Scripture is because we want to be faithful to that call. We want to be people who don't hear sermons or, or look at a particular methodology, a way of doing church, a way of doing life, and um, just join ourselves to that and, and check off all the boxes. We want to be people who truly do abide in God and his words abide in us. And you can't really abide in God and his words abide in you if you don't have a pretty uh, foundational and in-depth relationship with, uh, with Scripture, okay? And with him in his Scripture. So, again, just to remind us, that's why we're doing this. We're not, uh, we didn't run out of things to talk about, and so we're just going to rewind, and we're not just... Uh, sort of formalists who just want to just keep <laughs> trudging back and forth through the word, we see this as a way to be obedient to what he has called us to do. And uh, that's, that's why we're doing this. So if any, if any two books uh, sort of underscore that uh, for us as we head back into the Old Testament and the story of Scripture, it's the book of Psalms and Proverbs, okay? Because these are books that have everything to do with... Uh, our side of the relationship to God, okay? Um, Psalms literally means praises, and the, 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 it's a collection of psalms and songs and poems composed over a long period of time uh, in Israel's history. Obviously, David looms large in, in the book of Psalms. He uh, perhaps authored many of them. When it says a psalm of David... Uh, that can mean a number of different things. Um, it can just mean a psalm after the manner of David, a psalm like David would have written, or it can mean a psalm about David, a psalm by David. <laughs> um, we're not quite sure. But um, David was really the first one, if you remember in the book of Chronicles, he brought worship back to the center. He brought it to the capital. Right? He oriented all of the national life of Israel around what was going on at the temple, and he instituted worship there, uh, singing along with the sacrifices. Uh, and so the heart of David was, a, was one of a heart of worship, and that's the spirit that pervades the book of Psalms. Um, one good way to look at Psalms is as a response, as Israel's response to the mighty acts of God that we see in the law and in the histories, okay? You really get a sense of God's hand in history. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you get a sense of his, his, his law and the way that he wanted life to be run. And in Psalms, you see sort of the, the human response to that. Okay? When God initiates, well, one of the things that you see in the Old Testament is that God initiates. Right? In the beginning, God created. It's always him who is pursuing his people, him taking the initiative. Um, when his people failed, when Adam and Eve failed, he put in he decide, he he put in place a plan to redeem them. Okay, he chose a man, Abraham. He called him. He chose Noah. He chose all these. People. God initiates relationship with people, and he establishes covenant with them. Covenant. Now, covenant is is more than a contract. It's it's binding, but. But it's, it's a relational, there's a relational aspect to a covenant too. It's saying, I'm going to do this, and you are going to do this. And, I, and righteousness means I uphold my end of the covenant. 
And so the Old Testament is the story of God's righteousness, of him being faithful to what he said he was going to do. Psalms is the working out of of the human side of that relationship. God is this. God has done these great things. Now, what kind of man am I? What is my righteousness? What is my end of this covenant? Okay? Because there are things that only God can do in the covenant. They are, they are what he has said he was going to do, and he is faithful to that. Now, what is our side of the covenant? And that really gets wrestled and worked out in the book of Psalms. The Psalms are Israel's response to God's righteous and faithful acts. Israel's response to God's righteous and faithful acts. So in this way, the Psalms can teach us about God, but more than that, they teach us how to relate to God. We see God's acts referenced, but not in the kind of detailed way that we see the stories told in the rest of the Old Testament. It's, it's referred to, but it's sort of a, because God is this and has done this, now what should my life look like? And in that way, they teach us how to relate to God, and they teach us how to pray, specifically. A big part of relationship is communication. (laughs) Prayer is simply communicating with God. You cannot have a relationship without communication. We were at a wedding yesterday, and he he was preaching at uh, Chase and Brooke, and he said that one of the pillars of your marriage needs to be communication. And I I absolutely think that that's 100% right. Relationship... You cannot have relationship without communication. Uh, it's, it's just not human. I think part of what it means to be created in the image of God is the, the ability to relate via communication, intelligent communication, um, face-to-face, right? We can have face-to-face relationship. The Psalms bring us face-to-face with God. The Proverbs... Are, are different. They, they don't have that, that, that meditative and, and prayerful uh, side that the Psalms do. But the Proverbs are just as much Israel working out what it means to be a human in relationship with God. In a different way than Psalms, but can you see how it's the same, same sort of thing? How do you live life in this world? In light of who God is. And they are meant to guide us as we respond to, again, God's initiative in the way that he created life, in the way that he set up the world, in the way that he called us to himself, in the way that he established his law, the way that he um, draws us into relationship with him. And what does Proverbs say is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of God. It's a way of relating to God. So the big idea here, and this is what I want us to be kind of chewing on over this next 30 days, in both Psalms and Proverbs, it's, it's one of moving toward a right orientation or posture toward God. A right orientation or posture toward God as we respond to his work in our lives. He has done things He has saved us. He has called us to himself. He has said, follow me. How do we respond to that? Psalms and Proverbs teach us how to respond to the initiative that God has taken in our lives. 
That make sense? We need to know how to respond. There's a lot of people that have no idea how to respond. They, they, know what God, they know that God saves. They don't know what that means and how to respond. They don't mean, know how to relate to him, how to have an ongoing, deep relationship with God. This is what the Psalms and the Proverbs are here to teach us. Um, I want to look at Psalm 1 and Proverbs 1 as a way of introduction. But before, I, before we do that, I want to say that um, we have to keep in mind that it's all about Jesus. That the Psalms and the Proverbs, though they're in the Old Testament, they are still all about Jesus. Um, Jesus himself, he was soaked in the Psalms. Chad was teaching at UCF once, and he said that, that uh, the Psalms were basically Jesus' mixtape that he carried around with him. It was just the songs, the soundtrack of his life. And he actually saw himself. He identified himself in the Psalms. It was a psalm that he was praying and quoting as he died on the cross. Okay? So Jesus' very life, they, they are really the prayers of Jesus. Okay? And as disciples of Jesus, we need to pray the prayers that Jesus prayed. And many of the prayers he prayed were the psalms. Okay? But it's more than that because the Psalms prophetically talk about Jesus, talk about Messiah, the Son of God. The Lord's, the most quoted portion of the Old Testament in the New Testament is Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. It's messianic. It's Jesus. Proverbs is about Jesus. In chapter 1, and we'll read it in a second... Wisdom is, is personified. Wisdom is calling out. Wisdom is initiating relationship. And we see further on in the book of Psalms that wisdom was there in the beginning. And wisdom, uh, wisdom really is Jesus himself. He is the wisdom of God, as Paul says in, uh, I think it's Colossians. No, 1 Corinthians. He is the wisdom of God. He was there in the beginning. He is the word, the logos. The way life should go. Okay, so we can't just read these as how to be good humans. They are about Jesus. And in that, as disciples of Jesus, we find out how to live. Okay? So we have to keep Jesus at the forefront. Okay, so Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is an introduction to the book of Psalms. It's a built-in introduction. And it's a built-in indication of how to approach Psalms. Okay? A lot of us have this memorized, uh, if you've been around here for a period of time. But um, I'll just read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is actually hard to read this because I think I have it memorized in King James. and I'm <laughs> But I'm not confident enough to just quote it from memory. Therefore, the wicked will not stand. Uh, the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, 
but the way of the wicked will perish. A few things here. Um, blessed is the man. This is the same word um, in the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew in the Septuagint. is the same word that Jesus opens up the Sermon on the Mount with. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This psalm is saying blessing. And, and blessing in the Old Testament is, is a flourishing of life. It's not, just, it's not just good things happen to you. It's life at its fullest. Blessing. Okay? When, when, um, when God created the world, he created it so that it could be fruitful and multiply. And that's, that's an image of blessing. Okay? Blessing is, is fruit. It's multiplication. It's teeming with life. Okay, that's how God created the world. And so blessed is the man living the fullness of life, teeming with fruitfulness. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Talking about a way of life. We're not talking about blessed is the man who checks off the boxes. No, blessed is the man whose entire way, and way is like a well-worn path. Your way of life is nowhere around sinners, scoffers, the wicked. Rather, where is your way? Where is your well-worn path? Where do you walk and sit and hang out and stand? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. There's two great words here. There's, there's delight, <laughs> desire. You could even say preference. <laughs> I, I, I long for, I delight. What I like the most is the law of God. And on his law, meditate. Meditate day and night. In his law, he meditates day and night. So there's two things here I think that we need to, to, to see. One is that, that it's toward the law, toward the word of God, that desire is oriented and attention. Meditation implies a, a, an ongoing attention, attentiveness. It's sort of the, the baseline. It's just always happening. Okay? It's interesting. That same word meditate is used in Psalm 2 when it talks about um, the, uh, the people's plot in vain. They're meditating. They're going, hmm, how are we going to do this? There's, there's, there's a constant murmur of how are we going to get out from under the rule of the king? Okay? There's a, 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 just a, a persistent grumble. Well, it's that same persistent grumble or growl uh, that this word is, this meditate. It's just a, a, a mumbling, a, a muttering to yourself. Okay? And it, that, that's, that, to me, that's, that's attention. That's awareness, top of mind awareness. Okay? Desire and attention. And you can't think of, you know, the world, 
knows how powerful your desires are, and they know how, and, and the world knows how powerful your attention is, particularly like advertisers. Okay, they go after what your desire and your attention. They go after your desire because they want to create something that's really craveable for you. Or have some real just mouth-watering. I passed a billboard on the way into church of the new Jeff Rubies that's coming. This is a, the most great picture of a steak you've ever seen, right? That produced a desire in me. <laughs> and it was a big billboard, and you couldn't miss it. So it grabbed my attention. Okay? And this pattern just plays out in so many different things. I've, and I've been really interested in this for, for a few years now. Just how in our, in our culture, and our society, the world really has tapped into what makes us tick. Right? Behavioral science and, and psychographics and, and everything like that. Um, and the world really goes after these things. Desire and attention. I've read some, some just really fascinating books um, recently just about different areas of, of our world that, that go after these things. Um, I've read a couple on food, like processed food or like snack food. You won't understand how, you, you don't believe how much engineering goes into these products to create craveability. They're, they use something called, um, they use something called a bliss point <laughs> to figure out how much sugar to put in a soft drink. It's just enough um, it's not too little because then you won't want more, but it's not too much because then you'll want to stop. So they want to find the bliss point, which is you just keep going and going and going. What's that? Well, yeah, the colors. Yeah, all this. I mean, it, yes, it's all highly engineered stuff. It's, it's crazy. I, re- I read a book called The Dorito Effect. It's a, it's a great book. Did you read it? Oh, the Dorito effect is real. Yeah, you don't even have to read the book. Yep, yep, I agree. The effect, I felt the effect. We've all felt the Dorito effect. But it's the idea that you can, that you can create a flavor that, that is so, it, does, it can't exist in nature. Right? It's just this artificial thing, and, and it is so, like, cranked to the max, so you just crave it, Right? You really can't just eat one. Right? And that's, that's by design. They even put that in their marketing. That's how brazen they are. You, just can't, you can't just eat one. We want you to desire and to keep going and keep going and keep going. I read a book on, on how pop music hits are made. It's crazy. Right? I mean, you have to have a hook every seven seconds. What's a hook? It's something that just, you know those earworms? And you just can't get it out of your head. You're like, I've heard this song once, and, I, and at 3 a.m., it's just going in my mind. That's by design. Right? They have tapped into our capacity for desire and, and our attention. Okay? Um, I read a book on, called Irresistible. This is a great book on how, how they design social media apps and gaming apps and, and, and mobile apps to maximize. I mean, this is how... This is how um, App companies define success by the, by the amount of engagement, by the number of hours per day that someone is staring at the app and has the app open in front of their face. That's what they base their bottom line on, is your attention. 
Okay, so there's all these things that are designed to go for our desires and to capture our attention. And the world is really, really good at it. And none of that leads to blessing. None of it can say that it leads to a full teeming life the way God designed. All it leads is to consumption and to more desire. More addiction. Okay? So, in the book of Psalms, we see we see humans working out what it means to desire relationship with God and to, to fix attention on his word. Okay? It's funny, there's even... <laughs> this is great. So some people, have, I think, have caught on to how addicting like mobile apps are. And uh, so now there are mobile apps that try and take advantage of addictive app design to make you unaddicted from your apps. So there's um, the more, it's like, all right, if you don't touch your phone for 40 minutes, you get a reward. You get some sort of currency that you can spend in this store over here, right? Keep your phone off. I have one on my phone. It's pretty funny. It's just trying to addict me to being unaddicted. It's crazy. We don't know. Yeah, we're, we're just swimming in it. Um, does that make sense? How this, we, we absolutely need this. Okay, we live, in a, we live in an addicted, distracted society. And we, 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 we're part of it, okay? We're not free of this. We're saved. We're, we've been delivered from, from sin. But man, we, have, we dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And lips that have a lot of Dorito cheese on them. <laughs> And orange fingers. So Psalm 1 is a, is a book about, is, a, is a, an introduction to what, what Psalms is all about. It's about the blessed man. What does it mean to live in a relationship with God in a way that brings blessing into, into life? And it, it largely has to do with what John is talking about in chapter 15. Abiding in him. When we talk about delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night, we're really talking about abiding in the vine, staying there, and his word abiding with us. Now flip over to to Proverbs 1. And it's amazing how much, how similar this is in many ways to Psalm 1, to serve as an as a introduction to uh, the book of Proverbs. The proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. In other words, to, to, to go through the life as a human being, in the right way. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. 
the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, the fear of the Lord is a really interesting concept to think about and to to look at in Scripture. The fear of the Lord really has to do with acknowledging, in Proverbs 3 it talks about, in all your ways acknowledge him. The fear of the Lord has to do with, at any given moment, it's almost like meditating, this low-level just constant awareness. At any given moment, you're thinking about things in reference to God and what he likes. That's what the fear of God is. Someone who is God-fearing brings first the question to anything that they do. What does God think? First God. First consulting God. That's what it means to fear God. Out of reverence and respect for him. Okay, we don't understand what it means to fear someone. Okay, perhaps you would sense something of this if you were in the presence of, like, the president. They would walk in the room and you would... I mean, when the president's in the room, you don't go do other things. You, everything you do is in fear of him because he's there. Okay? It's not time for anything else. Everything that anyone in the room does needs to be done in reference to the fact that the president's in the room. Okay? That's what it means to fear God. You live your life like the president's in the room. That's the beginning, he says, of wisdom. How do you know how to live life? Well, first you've got to know that the president's in the room. He's here. <laughs> now listen to this. This sounds exactly like Psalm 1. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Let Sheol, let, uh, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood. Their inclination is away from the law of God. Verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Listen to that. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Just listen. Listen. And if you hear me, my spirit will be poured out to you. And I will make my words known to you. Delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You can see right here in Proverbs, you see that wisdom goes after desire and goes after attention. 
Because I called and you refused to listen, have stretched my hand out and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. Listen, hear me. The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Blessed is the man. So do you see the picture here? This is about not learning something new about God, but about Relating to him in a, in a better way, in a, in a more proper and fitting way. Given everything he has done, everything he is, how do we orient our lives in relationship with him? Jesus is the wisdom here. And Jesus is calling out. When Jesus says, come follow me, he's saying, come learn. Come follow. And so as we read Proverbs, we should hear Jesus saying, come and learn. Come follow me. Come be my disciple. All right, so there's, there's sort of intro to how the Psalms and Proverbs not so much formally work, but how they work on us. Okay? And how I think God would have them work on us in these days to, to shape us and to orient us in the right direction. So that when we hit Genesis, we have the right heart going in. We, we, we are desiring to hear God, to see his word, to, to see his ways, and, and he has our full focus. Okay? So I think this is going to be a good 30 days. Um, and here's the challenge. Now, this is not like, you know, you don't get a demerit if, if you miss a few days. But here's the challenge I want. For, for this to really have its full effect, here's some... some uh, some challenges I want to make to you. So I sent out a schedule of psalms, and if you don't have it, let me know. Um, we can get you one. Um, starts tomorrow. I want, to, I want to challenge you to do this. Number one, um, there's, there's morning and evening readings, okay? Let it be the first thing you read in the morning and the last thing you read or look at before you go to sleep, okay? Pre-email, pre-news, pre-whatever, Pre-nutrition facts on the, bo- on the box of Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> Do it first. Maybe you can go to the bathroom first if you want. But as soon as you can. And just, just try this, okay? This is, this is an experiment. I want to hear, hear feedback, okay? I want to hear how it goes. The first, as quick as you can, the first thing, get in those psalms. And don't fall asleep watching something on on TV or reading something on your phone, put it all away before you go to sleep, read the evening psalms, okay? So that's the first thing. First thing in the morning, last thing in the evening, all right? Uh, Second thing is do it out loud. Read it out loud. This will actually help you stay focused. Um, Read them out loud with whoever's around, okay? Whether, Whether that's family, infant, his nursing, what, it doesn't matter. Read it out loud. Family, friends, roommates, 
Anyone can do this. All right, we're all doing it together. Let's just do it. Um, third thing, use a physical Bible, not a phone. This is an experiment. I just want to see how this goes. Give me feedback. I have a theory, but, you know, use a physical Bible. Okay? It's less distracting. It's less associated with other distractions in our lives. The blue light helps keep us awake at night. All those things. Um, so those are my three challenges. Do it first thing in the morning, last thing at night. Do it out loud and do it with a physical Bible. All right? That's pretty doable. Yes? All right. Um, the other challenge, but this is for the whole month, okay, is memorize Psalm 1 in King James. King James Version. I'm sorry, JP. It's, it's, it's a tradition around here. We don't have that many traditions, but this is one of them. Psalm 1 in King James. Uh, it's, just for the, it's just for the continuity. Um, we'll do Psalm 1 in King James. You have a month to do it. It's pretty short. It's not too hard. Um, all right. So those are, that's, that's where we're headed for this month. And these, this will be 30 days, and I think it'll be a great, if we really do it, um, if we do it in this way, if we do it first thing in the morning, last thing at night, we do it out loud, I really am interested to see where we are in 30 days. Um, I'm interested to hear some testimonies of uh, greater desire for the word, greater focus, greater attentiveness throughout the day on the word. Um, I believe that I believe that it'll happen, and I believe that maybe one or two of you, maybe your life will really be changed in a, in a big way. Okay, um, you haven't known how to give God your full attention. You haven't known how to just let the word dwell in you richly, and this might set you free if you if you really give yourself to it. Okay. But remember, the goal is not, not to finish the challenge, okay? We're not, so we can unlock our achievements. Um, but the goal is to get our posture right, our orientation right, okay? Um, these are some things I think will help us do that, but they're not, they're not the whole point of the, <laughs> of the goal. Now, it'll be hard, I think. This will be different for some of you, and... Um, so really give it, give it a good try. It's just 30 days. So you can do it for 30 days. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It'd actually probably be a challenge for me. I, my, my problem is in the morning, not just going crazy with whatever needs to be done right away. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to, to creating that space in my life and, and carving out that attention um, that God deserves. Is this good? Any, uh, any questions or uh, things to add before I pray and we can dismiss. Again, long term, at the end of 30 days, then we're just going to start actually going through the Old Testament again. And I think our eyes are going to be open. We're going to be more sensitive to the Word than we have been. Um, so I'm, that's my prayer, is that God would really help us see where our desires are just, we've gone haywire and where our attention has gone haywire, and where we can just come back and focus and delight in the pure simplicity of God's law. Right? And so many of the Psalms will, will just hammer that into your soul. God's law is so good. It's like honey. It is like 
water in a dry and thirsty land. You know, all of these things and all of our senses are going to be engaged uh, and, and pointed in the right direction in a way that brings, brings blessing. Amen? I'm really looking forward to this, and uh, I'm looking forward to do it with you all. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for initiating relationship with us. Thank you for pursuing us, for sending your Son. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in these days, that you would help us each to grow in our proper response to you, Lord, that we would be people who, um, who really do have you, uh, who, who fear you, Lord, that you would create us to be a God-fearing people and that your words would, would dwell in us, God, and so that we could bear fruit, so that we could have that blessing. And Lord, so that, that the world would know that we are your disciples. And ultimately, Father, that you would be glorified. Jesus, you said, by this would your Father be glorified, and that's our desire, that we would glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, deliver us. I pray that, Lord, if there is any uh, desire or um, problem with attention in our lives, that, that if, we, if we are unable to relate to you, Lord, heal us, God. Refocus us, Lord. Whatever our personality is, Lord, break through in... And, and draw us to yourself. Speak to us face to face as we pray these psalms, Lord. And Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would make us into the kind of people that we read in the psalms, that, that who long for you, who desire you, that we, each of us, would be the blessed man uh, that, that Psalm 1 talks about. Lord, that we wouldn't be those who ignore wisdom and who turn at reproof uh, and who... who are constantly deaf uh, to you and constantly being drowned out by other and louder voices. Uh, Lord, help us to be so sensitive to you, so attuned to you, God. We long for that, Lord. We say that, that it is a world that just drives us crazy, makes us anxious, Lord. But you can deliver us, Lord, and you can show us the way of blessing. And we desire that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.